All right. On this week of uh, e-commerce straight talk, the topics we're touching on today, we're going to talk about the summer sales extravaganza, uh, Peloton and their destructive treadmill, um, going digital, legacy brands versus D2C brands, uh, live stream shopping in a post-pandemic America, and Walgreens joining the last mile delivery gang. So stick around. So kicking off uh, with the topics this week, first is the summer sales extravaganza. So with vacation rentals at 85% capacity through August and flight bookings up to 111% year over year, Sam, do you think retailers are going to see increased purchase activity throughout this summer? We already have. (laughs) No. Yeah. So definitely. Um, It's... So we've already started because I think people were starting to plan like back in February, right? Um, so like, for example, one of the swimsuit companies that we work with, we were selling swimsuits when the snowstorm was happening like all over the country, right? It was, we were going nuts. So I think it's already started, especially with when you look at those vacation rental bookings and seeing that they're already at 85% capacity, which is crazy. That's good right? It's good for our economy. Um, it sucks as us the individuals, like if you're late to the game, like me, right? Where normally I like to go to the coast and in and a, and a normal year, you would just drive there in the summer and then just get a place, right? You wouldn't even need the reservation, but now, oh yeah, you're, you're, you need a reservation and good luck getting it anytime this year. Um, I think it's just the nature of people wanting to finally get out of their homes, go on some sort of vacation, like de-stress a little bit. Um, everyone's sort of sick and tired of it, right? So we're we're seeing that across the board. Um, So overall, I do think it's good. I know you can see the cost of like airline tickets has gone up, right? Um, Which, you know, I would would say this is the the nature of it. But even for airlines, they're still struggling because they know um, their recurring revenue comes from their, their business class, right? So they need more folks, um, you know, go, going back to work, going back to the office. Um, but as far as the summer goes, I expect, and we've already been projecting it to be absolutely nuts, whether that's as far as like, you know, advertising CPM, just the cost to get the word out that you have products to sell, um, as well as just, it's, it's going to be an influx of sales who has, who has the best deals um, because we're still sort of in a tight spot where we have um, people are still working and, and unemployment is, is around 6%. Um, the majority of those who are on unemployment tend to be more of those around or below the poverty line, right? So you have a lot of uh, the, the middle class or what's left of it and, and the higher um, income classes are still have a lot of jobs and are switching between jobs. And uh, the, there's a lot of these folks that you're going to be seeing um, trying to go on vacation, right? And they have the money to spend. And so you're going to see a mix of that versus brands who's um, and and you may know who you are if your brand is the brand that on every um, first or 15th, you get an influx of customers, right? Your your audience lives paycheck to paycheck. That's you're going to be having the most competitive market here, right? Um, because those those consumers are very price sensitive. So I think that's what we'll be seeing. Um, it's just a lot of fluctuations in the market. I do think and macro view, like bird's eye view, it's gonna kick a lot of the smaller people out. Um, just sort of like how last year was doing the same thing, right? 
Um, and so it'll be interesting to see what sort of transpires, but I, we're, we're already projecting it to be a huge summer as far as sales go. Yeah, definitely. Everyone's ready to get out and get spending. <laughs> uh, oh, and then sure. I think too, what will matter. I mean, not so much here in the U.S. because I mean, we're well on our way to mostly everyone that wants to be vaccinated is vaccinated. Uh, but also once Europe, I think they start relaxing on travel um, will be, I mean, that's going to open up a, a whole new influx of now international traveling. That's been something that's still like unavailable to us in a sense. But yeah, with international traveling, it'll be interesting to see um, what countries that will actually are going to require vaccines, right? I think you're gonna have to show proof at some point in time. I know we've sort of hit that um, that that peak with people who wanted to get them, got them. And then you have this other percentage of population that haven't got them yet and probably don't even plan to. I mean, welcome to America, right? The country of individualists, it's sort of the in, in our nature to just distrust everything. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it'll, it'll definitely be interesting to see sort of what occurs there as, as far as international travel goes. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Well, moving on to the second topic of this week's news with Peloton. So this is a really interesting story. Peloton recently had some issues with their new product, the treadmill. Uh, will people and children getting hurt and killed? Uh, they've actually recalled all of their treadmills. So the projected impact of this recall is estimated to be around 165 million. As this hurts their reputation and their wallet, will Peloton be able to overcome this disaster? Yeah, it's such a disaster. Oh my God. Like, um, I mean, the thing looks cool, um, but I don't like, obviously I'm not, in that world i didn't know if you could have foreseen this obviously not but um just the issues with it are, are it's, it's pretty crazy and especially having been involved in like product launches like ev everyone just has like th there's this sense in this feel like everything's going to be going well it's going well like things are moving and then this happens and you're like oh what happened we totally failed um as far as peloton goes it's going to cost them it's going to be expensive but they've done the one thing that really is the future of successful brands and that has built a community around their consumers, right? So their customers. Um, if you sort of like CrossFit gyms, right? If you go to a CrossFit gym, you I do CrossFit, right? So it's 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 when the, the, the person thinks of themselves as being within that culture. Same thing with Peloton, it's the same thing. So I think, yes, this will hurt them. This will hurt them with the, the regular Joe Schmo too. Um, but as far as their customer base, I think in the end, they'll be okay. I mean, they have a, a pretty pretty uh, decent community and, and, and definitely lots of loyalty as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this reminds me of Tesla too. And the, the, the little, well, the small amount of vehicles that have caught fire recently. And I think they're kind of the same brand where they also have a community where if you are a Tesla driver, you drive pride in that and you're kind of part of this little club. Um, so. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, what, what hasn't really been talked about too is, you know, with, um, what was it recently they had the, the auto expo in China mm -hmm. and people were like storming and protesting the Tesla display because of all the problems. So yeah. Um, it just goes to show like building communities is building a brand is hard and takes years. Building a community is harder and takes even more years. 
right? So it, it's it's one of those things now where you can touch your community almost immediately, especially with digital and social and all that. So it's like, why haven't you built it yet? Why haven't you built a community within your brand yet? Mm, very true. Yeah, it's kind of like one of the marketing must-haves in the digital era. Uh, Absolutely. Movement, for sure. So speaking of the digital era, um, we have a little legacy brands versus D2C brand competition going on. So not only is the cost of, uh, or I'm sorry, the cost of not going digital was the tax that legacy brands were paying, but the playing field has been altered. So as of last week, less than 5% of the users of the latest iOS version 14.5 in the US have permitted Facebook to monitor their device activity. So it seems kind of low. What effect do you think this will have on the smaller DTC brands versus the older legacy brands that, like you said, have put in the years to build in their reputation and their brand? Yeah. All I have to say is yikes, 5%. Um, what's interesting about this, which I think will change over time, is that 5% have actually opted in to allow. So, so to get the full scheme here, iOS 14.5 was that app tracking transparency update where Apple basically cut the knees off of all third-party tracking. You're talking cookies, JavaScript, pixels, all that. So um, if you go on Facebook, they can't track you um, once you go off of it. Like if you click on an ad link and go to a website, they can't track you. Unless, of course, there's server-side first-party tracking in place. So what they automatically did is if you download this update, it automatically opts you out of all tracking and then you'll have to opt in. So basically a little pop-up will come up and say, uh, continue to not allow tracking or allow tracking, right? Because of that, what we're seeing is people are having poor experiences with the platforms now, the social platforms, because of the really bad ads that they're getting served. Um, it, it's like, it's one of those things. It's like, you, you know, you can have some sort of privacy. I mean, I hate to break it to everybody, but privacy is gone. It's over. You're just switching up who has your data. So instead of Facebook having it now and Google having it, it's Apple, right? So you're just, you're just sort of sh uh, shifting who, ha who has this data and how they're selling it. Um, with, with Facebook and, and, and the sort of, uh, uh, poor quality of ads being shown is really who's the highest bidder. Right. And so you're going to be getting a lot of like ads for insurance and uh, warranties, right? Your car's extended warranty. You'll be getting those ads. Um, so it'll be interesting to see over time if that shifts and if people learn that, hey, maybe if I opt in tracking, I can get better ads. However, you know, that, then there's that, it's a double edged sword where, hey, no, I'm being tracked. But yes, you're being tracked all the time by somebody. Um, as far as legacy brands, and D2C brands go previously, so, and I don't know, what do we call it? The 2010s, the 20 teens, right? It was like, you could be any mom and pop, any D2C brand coming out of nowhere and go digital, go social and grow exponentially. Mm -hmm. We're seeing that um, barrier to entry is starting to increase more and more, especially with this iOS update, because now you can't sort of, it, it's, not you can't, it's more difficult to prove your, your product market fit. It's more difficult to to really segment and target um, those, those, those consumers, right? You're looking at bigger segments now, more co cohorts. So what that means is for legacy brands, 
where um, some of them were trying to go social or maybe a little bit are arguing whether they should or not, it's easier for them to go and, and, and join the party than it would be for an up and coming D2C brand for the simple fact that they're, they already have um, um, some brand, a brand that was built previously and people know about it, right? So they have a customer base. That's the biggest difference. That's the advantage that they have because now you're targeting giant segments versus individuals or small groups of individuals. So as, as, as far as it goes, like what we're seeing from the pandemic um, and moving into the post pandemic is that if you're a bigger brand with more products, you're, you've been more successful. If you're smaller, there's a, a certain level where if you weren't successful, it was like, it was over, right? If you're doing okay, you were doing good. If you were not doing okay, it's like, it's going under the sink, the, the, the ship is sinking. So that's how I sort of see it as far as legacy brands versus DTC brands kind of um, just, just the, the switch has been flipped. Yeah, for sure. For sure. It'll be interesting to see how the playing field evens out if it does at all. Yeah. 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 And that's what I heard a lot too, is that people kind of didn't understand that. Yeah. You will still be fed ads. It's just not going to be catered to you. And yeah. It's, I mean, you, I think people have already seen it. We've already started to see the, the difference in, in, in how we target people and bigger, more broader groups versus, uh, uh, you know, more, more smaller segments. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry, you cut off a little bit. Did you say that having a wider audience, a bigger audience, it, is they're performing better than having like a niche cohort? Yeah, we're starting to see more success with bigger segments and bigger cohorts rather than smaller ones. Prime example is, Let's say you're running ads on Facebook. Try using either a broad setting or a 10% lookalike versus like a 1% or smaller audiences. Moving on to live stream shopping. <laughs> so according to Forbes, live stream shopping is having a bit of a renaissance and QVC is still the top dog. So Curate, QVC's parent company, had its best quarter since its creation in 2018. Retailers, including Bloomingdale's, Nordstrom, and even Petco, are attempting to make their mark in live stream shopping. Does live stream shopping have a future in the U.S. post-pandemic? Um, absolutely. I think it's going to become so. Like you have though that group of people that love the shopping network. Like it's so crazy to me personally because like, but like there are a lot of and it tends to be your older audience but they'll like sit there and watch it all day and they'll buy tons of stuff off of it. Right. Um, I've watched it before. I've seen QVC. I think everyone's sort of seen the shopping channel, the shopping network, QVC, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but even like, if you see on Amazon, they're doing that live uh, shopping stream and, and, and same thing with Facebook. They've been doing like live stream shopping. I've, I've seen it um, here and there. I think that will definitely become a thing. Um, sort of like, you know, obviously QVC and Curate have been sort of leading the pack there, but I expect m- new technology to come out too. And, um, don't, yeah. I mean, I mean, you're, you're, you'll probably be expected to see influencers pop up in there showing off products too. So it's, it'll be interesting to see, but yeah, it definitely is. Um, the, the, it, it's just the nature of how us humans, how we use and interact with technology. Um, a lot of it has to do with convenience. And so something like the shopping network where they're talking to us about the product, 
um, and we feel like it's live and, and then they give us some FOMO, right? We don't want to miss out on anything. So we're like, Oh, it's, Oh, it's such a good deal. Um, we'll, we'll definitely be taking it, you know? Um, so I definitely think it has, it'll continue to grow post pandemic. Um, I expect it to be like a major thing in the next three to five years. Yeah. Well, that, that would be crazy to see <laughs> the only live stream um shopping i've tuned into was one that walmart was doing and a lot of the commentary afterwards was that if you looked through the live chat comments there were people that were saying i had this order put in two weeks ago and where is it or this product is no longer on your website <laughs> so the yes yeah. yeah, so they have some kinks to work out because to me that that screams like you have to have somebody there managing the comment section and yeah oh, handle something i mean can you even manage something like that you know your customer service has to be on point for sure oh yeah i mean you get that and just regular comments everywhere but um especially if you know your audience and you know that they're what they're going to come with yeah um so yeah no it, sh it should be interesting I, I would expect them to add a service like that too because they're they're taking a portion of the profits that they're making on their show Mm -hmm. Right. And they're, they're even telling brands, Hey, you have to have a certain percentage of inventory or a certain, um, level of capital in inventory, 150 K in inventory, 200 K in inventory for this show, whatever it is. Um, so I think if they want it to continue to be successful, they'll have to be able to manage that, or at least get the brands on board to manage that for them. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Definitely. And so rounding it out, uh, for the fifth point of this week is Walgreens joining the last mile delivery gang. So Walgreens started rolling out their same day delivery services um, introducing the ability to pick and pack through their app to allow for third party delivery services uh, to handle that last mile delivery. On the heels of what we've been discussing over these past two episodes, what are the odds more retailers and even smaller brands hop on this bandwagon? So this wasn't even like us trying to create this narrative or storyline over the past couple of episodes. But it's like it started off with, you know, the retail apocalypse and malls being empty and and brick and mortar stores going 80,000 of them going away in the next five years and all this space and warehousing and what they're going to do with it. to same day shopping to, you know, two day delivery shop or, or, or two day delivery to, to same uh, day delivery. And they call it they're calling it like last mile delivery, which is basically some like for Walgreens, what they're doing with the pick and pack where you go in the app or a bunch of products. Like you can already do with like Walmart, um, Kroger and a bunch of those other places. But instead of you having to go there to pick it up, they deliver it. So that last mile, that's where they use like those those third party services like Uber Eats does and Instacart and all that. Right. Um, there's a handful of other bigger retailers who have jumped on the Instacart bandwagon and all this other stuff for this last mile delivery. Uh, Walgreens is just the latest one to do it. And I think this just goes to show what convenience means to consumers and being able to get it delivered and, and you know, not having to actually interact with humans, right? <laughs> Especially for us introverts out there. Um, it, it, it makes it uh, uh, wildly convenient. Um, so I think what's going to be interesting is based on what we've been talking about previously is this continued sort of conversation about how we utilize space can smaller brands utilize space like that especially with um, um, population dispersion or is that going to hurt them 
because more people have been moving out of the big cities because you have work from home, right? Is that in fact going to continue to affect um, smaller brands negatively, which we, like I was already talking about, this has already been happening over the past uh, about 12 to 16 months. So um, to be able to see that and, and will there be some sort of technology or a way in which, um, you know, just like how brands now, let's say if they're buying or manufacturing products in Vietnam or China, they get it automatically shipped to, to Amazon or some warehouse, right? Service, uh, some delivery service. Um, will that be more spread out um, or will it be more localized to certain areas? Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how sort of everyone adapts. But I think this is sort of the way, especially for brick and mortars to stay alive. I think over time too, as that grows, you'll see brick and mortar stores start to um, go away too and just become more warehouse than anything. Or like more like a Costco of, of a marketplace, right? Where you have a bunch of different stuff. So, so yeah, I, I, I definitely think it'll be interesting. Um, I, I, I found it funny when I was reading up on this and adding it to the list of things to talk about because it's like we've been sort of discussing this for the past two weeks. And here we are, we're talking about it all over again, you know? So it's, it's very interesting to continue to see this. Um, a lot of the conversations over the past week and the, the topics most everyone's been talking about, especially in retail, has been this last mile delivery um, and how it's affecting, especially these legacy brands. So yeah, it's definitely gonna be interesting to see how the future sort of unfolds. Yeah, I mean, the future is now. These changes are happening, you know, yeah. in real time. We're experiencing them. Um, gosh, I had something on the top of my head. Oh yeah, and so to me too, I'm seeing this and this is opening up an opportunity for these uh a lot more companies to maybe come around that do the last mile delivery solely so more logistics companies that are then going to try to compete with uber eats and instacart and i don't know that's yeah i think i think if like if i were an entrepreneur which we say i am and i'm trying to think of okay well how could i use this to my advantage either a i could rent out space and offer it as warehousing for a bunch of different brands a bunch of different products and then connect with a last mile delivery service to where I can offer that service to the brands if someone buy in that area buys. Um, or I can I can sort of uh, ha have this service last mile delivery and warehousing in an area where I know the consumers and then reach out to brands that I know they buy from to then warehouse at my place, maybe even for free as long as I get a cut of the profits, right? And then part of that too is me helping sell their products to the local area and doing last mile delivery um, to, to supply. I don't know. There's probably someone out there that's way smarter than me figuring all this out. So it's, it's definitely going to be interesting. For sure. Well, well, I'm glad you left us with some golden advice. Who knows? Maybe somebody will go run with it and have their own warehousing. Do it. Do it. That would be <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Well, cool. So that wraps it up for today's episode five of e-commerce straight talk. And we'll see y'all next week. Peace.